in your heart Share what you feel No matter the subject You can always be real Talk with JC Michelle. Hard talk with JC Michelle. Hard talk with JC Michelle. Hard talk with JC Michelle. Yeah. Hey, thank you again for tuning in to another episode of Heart Talk with Tracy Michelle. And this is Tracy Michelle Lewis Jiggets, your host. Um, I am really excited about this episode because I think today I want to talk about something that's just been on my mind a lot lately, um, especially as it relates to Black Joy. Um, earlier this year, I was reading The Inward Journey by Howard Thurman. Howard Thurman is, is one of my favorite Black theologians. He was considered a contemplative even before... We, I think, really had language for that or really called it that, um, which when I began my journey and really began looking at contemplation and centering prayer and meditation and all those kinds of things as a method or as a mechanism for healing, I honestly, as a Black woman, was like, where are all the Black people doing this? <laughs> I mean, I'm here for Merton and Keaton and all that good stuff. Um, but like, where were the Black folks, you know, even within the context of my faith? Like, I was looking for Black mystics, Christian mystics, right? Like, I um, was wanting to hear from, hear those voices, um, because I, I don't, I'm a firm believer that you, you can't escape even with the best of intentions, white supremacy and patriarchy kind of sliding into, uh, certain belief systems and, and also like certain theologies, like it's just there. And so I, I was very interested in this notion of Christian contemplation and I was interested in, you know, mysticism and all of that kind of thing. But I wanted to know where the black folks were that were doing that. And so um, I don't know. I don't think it was ever like explicitly stated, but I know now that Howard Thurman is considered to be one of those black folks in the mid 20th century who offered a little bit different perspective on Christian contemplation, Christianity, uh, but just in meditation and going inward and that kind of thing. But in this book, uh, The Inward Journey, he actually quotes Abraham Heschel's phrase, um, this idea of radical amazement. And when I tell you like those two words, like that phrase, it got stuck, 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 stuck in me, right? Like um, it just hit me like what is radical amazement. And I think if I had to put it in my own words, it's this idea of encountering something that's so overwhelming in a positive way. Um, and I, I actually, this is what Howard Thurman says, that it's encountering something so overwhelming that it leaves you feeling naked and exposed and it envelops you and makes you stand at attention. And that really moved me, right? Like, 
I was trying to think back over my life. What were some of the things that uh, spurred in me or caused in me radical amazement? The thing that left me feeling so vulnerable um, and just enveloped me with it. And I mean, the closest thing that I can think of right now is, you know, the birth of my daughter, um, which felt for me so much like a miracle. I'd had uh, miscarriages. I had a couple of miscarriages prior to having her. And so uh, the pregnancy, um, it was just one of those time periods. I was just incredibly cautious and incredibly concerned. I don't want to use the language worried, but I probably was worried. Um, But I just you know, when she was born and they laid her in my arms and I know this feels very like cliche, but there really was this moment of like, whoa, like this radical amazement. I felt so exposed and so vulnerable and so open. And right now, even talking about it, I feel my emotions like right on the surface because it's just strange. I think a lot of mothers would, I would do identify with this, like, this idea that you've been given the challenge of caretaking this precious human being, um, (laughs) you know, and it's like, really (laughs) me? (laughs) So, um, yeah, that's the one, um, I think when I think about radical amazement, that's the one thing that comes to mind. And, and, and the idea of it is just so powerful to me. And I, I started to think like, is that what I mean by joy? So, you know, and in the book, Black Joy, I, I try to make the distinction between happiness and joy, right? Especially for Black folks. And um, there is a distinction, I believe. It's this temporary moment by moment uh, presence, right? It's like, I am going to... You know, if I'm going to Six Flags and I have some excitement that I'm going and that I am uh, going to get on my favorite roller coaster, right? Like there, that is a happy moment, right? The thing about it is that it usually passes quickly, right? It's it's temporary. Once you've rode the rides and, <laughs> you know, you've had your popcorn or whatever, like you go on to the next thing, right? Um, I don't think of that moment as something that is sustaining for me, nor will I, would I be necessarily devastated if it didn't happen. Right. Um, but it's still happy and it's still a response to pleasure. I think that's why a lot of people use joy and happiness interchangeably, right? Because it is, they're both responses to pleasure, but I see joy as like this undercurrent that's always present if we allow it to be. Um, And it is present even when our circumstances or environments are not terribly happy, (laughs) right? Um, So I I can have joy in the midst of grief. I can have joy in the midst of pain. I can, you know, it's it's the, the thing that allows us to laugh and tell stories at the repast of a loved one. Right. It's it's that because there's joy that can't be taken away. Um, and I was wondering after I read about radical amazement, 
if what I'm really saying is that joy and black joy in particular is a kind of radical amazement, right? It is kind of, um, when you have like joy, joy, right? Like you feel kind of exposed. It's a vulnerable moment, right? And as a black person experiencing joy, because you know what this world views you as, you know what sometimes how your joy is perceived there is a vulnerability and it is you can get overwhelmed by just the feeling of it and and the exposure of it um and so yeah i i kind of think black joy is a kind of radical amazement um and when you're in the midst of something that leaves you feeling naked and exposed it takes over you it makes you pay attention. And I think that's what Black Joy does. That's why it's so defining the cultural expressions of Black Joy is is draws everybody, right? Um, and I'll use a more cliche version, like, you know, when the song hits and, you know, Before I Let Go pops on and everybody jumps up and gets in that line and starts doing the electric slide, you know, everybody's attention is there. Like we're all paying attention and we're all in this moment and we're laughing and we're moving and something really wonderful is happening in that moment. And I it, I think I see now joy after reading that, I see my joy, I see black joy as a kind of radical amazement. Um, it makes you, and I, I'm just thinking about this now, that maybe there is just the spectrum of joy. As a matter of fact, I know it. I know that there's a spectrum of joy. Um, and so we have the ever-present undercurrent, right, that's happened no matter what. But then maybe on the other end is this radical amazement, right, where we are just simply speechless and overwhelmed. And that's what I really am trying to live my life to get to. Um, I had a moment today where I was sitting in our sunroom and I was looking out. Um, I think I've shared this before. My husband and I, in the middle of the pandemic, moved to the shore, to the ocean, um, closer to the ocean. Um, and we bought a little piece of land and we're renovating our home. And um, this was not something that I think I would have ever thought that I would have been able to do at this particular season in my life. Um, and so I was sitting in the sunroom and I was looking out at the land I was looking in our yard and the trees we have like practically a little forest behind us and I was so overwhelmed with gratitude and I think that's it was more than just joy like it was joy but it was a joy that was made me speechless like even now trying to talk about it on this podcast I'm speechless in a lot of ways um and I feel wide open now for me part of my work my healing work has been that I reject or resist those moments Sometimes because I'm so afraid that the other shoe is going to drop. And I know many of you may feel that also. Like, 
you resist that level of joy because you are afraid that it's going to get snatched away because that's what happens in life, right? Go, what goes up must come down. Our experience with life somehow says to us that somehow we're going to lose this moment. And the hurt and the pain that will come with that loss feels like it's not worth it. And I am just now getting to the point now where I'm realizing that it is worth it. Because the thing is, is that we don't have any control over what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day. Um, And my brain, the way my brain works is like I can manufacture 50,000 stories of what could happen to this land and this home and this space and all this work that we're putting into it to create this sanctuary for our family, my brain has conjured up everything imaginable, right? But I don't have any control over that. I do have control over my gratitude, though. I do have control over how I experience this wonderful place now in this moment. And that's all I got. And why not allow that kind of radical amazement, that level of black joy of joy to settle in my bones and settle in my body why not why not allow that to heal me and so you know I I I get but you know I say all of that but then I get why people don't want to feel that exposure right they don't want to feel that wide open and I understand um that you know it, it feels like you are, you know, if you let your walls down, that someone is going to steal something from you. But I think that there's such a beauty of allowing ourselves to, that kind of freedom, that kind of liberation. where it, And it is truly is a kind of re- liberation, right? To be able to stand in that nakedness, unafraid. Right. Or even or or maybe it's you are afraid, but you do it anyway. Right. I imagine like graduation season. Right. And, you know, mothers and fathers and parents who are watching their children cross the stage and it feels like a milestone. And they're thinking about when that child was, you know, a little sugar plum, a little tink pot, (laughs) right? Um, And now that child is 17 or 18 years old, right? And it's hard to reconcile your little, you know, I call my daughter sugar plum, my little sugar plum, you know, running around with her little diaper on, (laughs) you know, and she was a runner, you know, me and her dad have ran through all from churches to, um, (laughs) Uh, malls uh, streets like she's always been around her her running around with her little diaper um and even now you know almost 11 years later seeing how she's maturing and she's becoming a tween and what her interests are and it just feels like whoa 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 wait a minute right um and it it, it's it's another kind of radical amazement so you know this moment when she was born right that i talked about earlier And now I'm looking at as she's going into middle school and as she is exploring and, you know, her thing now is YouTube and, you know, working on her hair and doing different hairstyles. And 
you know, it it feels like time is like, forget you. (laughs) You know, we just, we going to do what we do. And, you know, I think that is, it's joy, but it is a kind of radical amazement. And that there's this idea that I have to just sit and allow it to overtake me. And that's a feeling I think I'm seeing when, um, when I say, and I've been saying this, I think for the last couple of episodes, that it's important for us to actively and intentionally seek joy, meaning create joy and to shoot for those radical amazement moments. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's, something that just lives beyond the senses we're familiar with not just the thing that we touch or see or hear or taste or smell um because of course we can get joy from that you know you can smell or taste some mac and cheese cooking or pound cake or you touch the cheek of your newborn or you listen to a little luther vandross and um then there's joy in all of that right and i just wonder if radical amazement is something just outside of even our senses and maybe it's something spiritual that's happening in that moment um i you know as i'm thinking about this what if radical amazement one of the products of ra- radical amazement as sort of the the goalpost or I don't even want to use that language uh, radical amazement as just like this wonderful part of our joy what if it's a result of being loved well when you really long for love and someone comes along and loves you well I think there's a kind of radical amazement. This beyond is just, I'm happy I got a man, you know, (laughs) it's beyond the joy of being partnered with someone, you know, it's, it's, it's just outside of all of our sensory stuff, right? Um, And it's speaking to our hearts, it's speaking to our spirits when we're loved well, Um, I think that's the, the greatest, I think I just had a revelation here, like, I think it's also what our ancestors understood, um, which was how they were able to endure the things that they endured, right? Because it was a higher plane. And I honestly wish that for all of us, that we could all live in a state of radical amazement. Yes, joy. Right. And maybe this maybe there's as as they say, there's levels to this. Right. Like maybe it's, you know, we got to figure out what joy feels like in our body. And then after we do that, um, we got to be intentional about creating joy. Right. And being aware of joy and seeing it um, and, you know, living it despite whatever grief or pain, you know, all the things that I've been saying. And then maybe the next level is paying attention to. Um, how the joy itself manifests um, around us and the people that are around us and, and the situations that we now find ourselves in because we're allowed our, we've allowed ourselves to experience joy and how that might translate into love and how that love leads to a level of joy that it's just so hard to explain. I think I've spent this, these last 20 minutes trying to explain it. And that level of joy is radical amazement. So I'm going to be thinking through this more because 
Uh, but I just wanted to come on the podcast and just kind of talk it out with you guys. Um, but as always, we have to go to the phones. Um, so let's, you know, talk radical amazement um, to each other. If you're talking about this podcast to your friends and hopefully you are and hopefully you're telling people about the podcast. Um, let's 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 think through radical amazement and maybe we can revisit it towards the end of the season um and maybe i can explore it in my own life and and come back and report to you guys about what i learned uh about radical amazement as being this kind of uh high level form of joy and black joy um, so let's go to the phones. Let's see who's on the line. Thank you for calling Heart Talk. How's your heart today? Yes, this is JP calling all the way from Las Vegas. And just want to just ask a question concerning to Black Joy. Um, why is it that as a Black father and, you know, a Black husband, um, we always got to feel as though that we have to prove a point? or we always have to find ourselves trying to make everyone else happy or fit in, in a sense, Um, even in our relationships, um, even with our, you know, our friends and our family. It's like we always find ourselves trying to prove a point as if, you know, we we can't be emotional. Um, It's hard to believe that, you know, being a black man that, you know, you can be depressed or going through things. And it's like we always have to act a certain way to make other people happy, but inside, as a black man, we, we don't have anybody to run to because crying makes us soft or telling, you know, showing our weakness, you know, makes us, you know, we have to act a certain way and we can't be emotional. And it seems like our, our feelings are always, you know, you know, discarded. Um, so my question would be, you know, as a black man, you know, where do we find our joy? You know, who do we turn to when we want to be emotional and to find our joy you know, as a man. So that would be my question for the day. Thank you for listening. Love to hear your follow-up answer. Thank you so much for calling. What I'm hearing in your question is a a couple of things. I think first is just a concern about how, as a Black man, you are feeling limited in showing up in a space as your full self. And then also um, I'm hearing about, you know, in our relationships and just in our, you know, people around us, like how, what their expect, how we're meeting their expectations or not. And so here is my advice to you on that. Um, I think it's time to stop believing the lies because I think everything that you're saying is, is valid And it's also rooted in what you've chosen to believe, right, about yourself and about what black men can and cannot do. Um, And I'm saying this understanding that the world has created these rules, right? Like they've said, you know, men should not cry or show, show emotion. And those are some of the societal things that have been put forth you know, since you were a little boy, right? And like, 
I think one of the challenging things, and this is where I am an advocate for therapy and I'm an advocate for doing that kind of healing work, is unraveling yourself from all the lies that have told you that you can't be a full human being, that you can't express your emotions, that you can't have deep feelings and, and, and be vulnerable and not be viewed as weak. Right. And again, some of that is, you know, been passed down to us. Right. And I, I think even as black women, we can speak like we've been told that you can't afford to be emotional. You can't be a, you can't afford to uh, show those tears, black man. Right. Because it could be the difference between life and death. Right. But what I am arguing is that what has that done to your mental health? What has that done to your emotional health? What does that do to your capacity to truly experience joy? What, you know, speaking to what I was just talking about, what does that do to your capacity of being able to reach that level of radical amazement where you feel overtaken by joy in that moment? whatever moment, right? And so I would say that the first step is always to acknowledge what's true and what isn't. And it's not true that Black men can't cry. It's not true that you are weak if you do. It's not true that the expression of any emotion somehow defines you as weak or less than, right? So really believing that, and owning that really, to me, is the first step. And then also, and I have a chapter in the book that talks about this is um, in accepting unacceptance, is realizing that not everybody is going to see it that way and being okay with that. And to be honest, you know, the people closest to you may not see it that way. And that's got to be okay. Right. Because they have the right to do their own work and to do their own raveling in their own time. And you don't have any control over that. So you you doing your work. And I think that's what happens sometimes, even in our relationships. I even thinking about me and my husband. And we've talked about this, you know, on the podcast is like there is the work that we need to do together. But there's also the work that we have to do individually on ourselves and then come together, bringing that whole self to each other. Right. And there's things about my story and things about, you know, my trauma and things about the way that I move that my husband can't fix. And there are things about him that I can't fix. And for somebody like me who loves to be in control, that's a hard pill to swallow. But if we want to bring to each other our best selves, right, then we both have to be willing to go and do that unraveling to allow ourselves to be exposed. And I think sometimes... We, um, again, I think I said this earlier, like have to be sure that we have not bought the lie. So I would say to you, like, be, you know, careful and really think about, do you believe that you can't be the full expression of yourself? And I would ask you to think about the way that you have shown up, right? And, and, and with that 
with that um, mask on, if you will. Right. Um, And, you know, (laughs) take the mask off. Right. Because taking the mask off could be painful. You know, taking the mask off and showing your full self might, you know, cause problems and struggle. And you might have to um, accept the fact that not everybody is going to embrace this full self, but you can't be mad at them because you never showed your full self in the first place. And so, yes, you got to do that now, but also understand that this is taking everybody by surprise. And so I would just say, you know, it's not true that black men can't express emotions, right? Um, and that it's you, 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 that you always have to prove yourselves, right? It's true in the sense that that is the reality of the environments in which we live. But in our relationships, we get to choose. We get to pick how we show up, right? And, and it's hard. I mean, I'm not even like claiming that it's easy. Oh, just run out and do it. You know, no, like I'm not even saying that. I'm saying, JP, like it, it is a, a, a choice. How you move is a choice. Joy is a choice. Being vulnerable is a choice. And if you're choosing it, then you also are choosing all that comes with that. And some of that is not acceptance. Some of that is what comes when we butt up against the societal norms, right? Um, And so that is people calling you weak and and you're like, whatever, right? Because when we hold those emotions, and I think what I've seen a lot in our community is that um, when you're holding that stuff in, it's going to come out. And how it comes out, it's probably not going to be in the best of ways, right? So the pain, the things that make you cry, when you don't cry, when you don't allow that cleansing that happens, that God made our bodies, their intricate body, you know, detail, that it means that when we cry, there's a cleansing that happens. When you don't allow that cleansing to happen because society didn't told you that that's weak, then what you have done is that you've kept that toxicity inside of you. And inevitably, it's going to come out in other ways and harmful ways, right? And so I think, you know, once we allow ourselves to be free, that's what freedom is, right? Like there's a liberating quality to being able to cry freely, to be able to express yourself freely. Um, And so, you know, you got to decide whether or not you want to be free. And if you want to be free, then you got to accept everything that comes with that freedom. Because it's not, you know, there is a cost to choosing to live free. There is a cost. It's a cost to choosing your joy, especially in this world. It's unfortunate, but it's true. The, the very nature of Black joy is that it's a joy that lives despite everything else. It's decided to be present regardless 
of what you say about me, what you think about me, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think that's the real wrestling that you may need to do. Um, and I think that, you know, some of proving your point, you said a couple of times, like feeling like you have to prove your point is whenever, and I know because I'm like this too, um, whenever I find myself trying to prove myself is because I don't believe that I'm worthy in the first place. And so I feel like I got to prove because I've somehow have my esteem, my self-esteem, what I believe about myself. I believe that I am not worthy. And so I keep trying to prove myself because I don't believe I'm worthy in the first place. And so I think that's the starting point. The starting point is not outside of yourself. The starting point is always inside. And it's let's let's tell the truth. Let's unravel from the lies. Let's stop believing the lies. Decide what lies you've believed and start thinking about your actions and how that they align with those lies and start turning that around and make a decision and a choice to live free completely and it's hard but I think that that's I think that's our our task as humans thank you so much for calling all right y'all thank you so much for another amazing episode of heart talk with Tracy Michelle um I have so much I have to talk to you about I have another book coming out y'all so yes we're going to be talking about black joy but I do want to just let you know that Then They Came for Mine, Healing from the Trauma of Racial Violence comes out September 13th. And um, you can pre-order it wherever you get your books. You can also pre-order the audiobook if that's your thing. Um, and so I am really excited about the book. And um, I think, you know, when I think about those two books, Black Joy and Then They Came for Mine, I, I feel like Black Joy is kind of the antidote. And it's interesting that I wrote the antidote first, but like that's kind of <laughs> the way I think God works with me. Um, and, you know, I think the real story telling the narrative and the really kind of challenging stuff comes up and then they came from mine. But I think it's it, I think it's powerful and I think that it's hopefully will be a blessing to you. So once again, thank you so much for listening. Um, please, whatever you do, be well. And if you cannot be well, just be. Open your heart, share what you feel. No matter the subject, you can always be real. Heart talk with Tracy Michelle. Heart talk with Tracy Michelle. Heart talk with Tracy Michelle. Heart talk with Tracy. Shit.